Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Gospel lesson, which was written in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 14, beginning with verse 13. Let us listen for the word of the Lord. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted, desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them, and cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and all ate and were filled. And they took up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve baskets full. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and redeemer. Amen. As the day was drawing to a close, Jesus and his disciples were surrounded by the multitudes. And the twelve disciples came to Jesus and they asked him to send the crowd away. What a problem to have and counterintuitive to a movement one would want to see grow. The reason the disciples give for wanting to send the crowds away is that they are in a desolate place. And they want the crowds to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to lodge and to get provisions. A little background. At this point in the gospel, immediately before the crowds had gathered, each of the disciples had been sent out throughout the region, ministering in Jesus' name and performing works and miracles among the people in the places to which they would go. Jesus sent the disciples out, giving them power and authority over all demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. They performed miracles. And they had great success. 5,000 men and all the women and children who came alongside them gathered to see Jesus. The disciples did their job. And the people showed up. And the people who showed up to meet Jesus went through great effort to do so. 
It wasn't out of convenience or coincidence, for they went to what was referred to as the disciples as a desolate place. These people went to great lengths to be in the presence of Jesus. While Jesus went by boat, they came by foot. It was a physical journey. Unlike previous encounters with Jesus, they were not already in the temple and just happened to be there the same time as Jesus. They were not in the market or the urban center of Jerusalem or any other city and coincidentally came across Jesus. Instead, they made an effort, going even to what the gospel describes as being a desolate place. And here, in a desolate place, the multitudes put themselves in the presence of Jesus. The disciples got exactly what they wanted, a large crowd of believers. And they asked Jesus to send them away. Again, the reason they give is that they believe they're in a desolate place. When Jesus sent the disciples out with power and authority, he told them to take nothing with them for their journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, not even an extra tunic. What Jesus was essentially telling them was that he would provide, no matter where they went, and no matter the situation in which they found themselves. He was enough, whether in his presence or taking his presence out into the world. Jesus was all the disciples needed. God would provide, just as God provided manna in the wilderness all those years ago. And yet, while the disciples were vested with all this authority and power, and with all the experiences that having this power and authority would have given them, at this point in the gospel, here they are in Jesus' presence and with the appearance of the multitudes, all the disciples feel they can do is to ask Jesus to send the crowds away so that they, the people who came to see Jesus, might go to the surrounding villages and countryside to provide for themselves. Why don't the disciples use their power and authority to provide for the need right in front of them? Why aren't they the answer to their own prayers? If the disciples were once sent out with no food, no bag, not even an extra tunic, and they survived and they saw how God miraculously provided, why would they think this situation would be any different? And I wonder why, if the disciples had authority and power, if they had truly experienced God's ability to provide, then why here in Jesus' presence do they not trust that if they can't provide? And surely Jesus can. We all like to think that our situation, moment of need, is unique. Sometimes the biggest hurdle in our lives is simply the one that we are immediately facing until the next one comes along. But the one and the same God who was there then is here now. The reason the disciples give for asking Jesus to send the people away is that they believe they're in a desolate place. Synonyms for the word desolate include deserted or desert or wilderness. And we've seen desolate places in the Bible before. 
In the opening words of Genesis, the earth was a formless, desolate void. Surely the world was a desolate place in the days of Noah. A desolate place is any place that seems to be without hope. What the disciples who referred to their current location as a desolate place fail to realize, however, is that anywhere that Jesus is present can never be a desolate place. For as John's Gospel proclaims, Jesus is the Word and the life. A desolate place might be understood as any place void of the Word of God. And the early church fathers, patristic exegetes of the Bible, writing between 0 and 450 A.D., interpreted famine as those places where the Word of God was absent. A desolate place is anywhere where Jesus is not. And Jesus, who is the Word, who is love, who is life, and who is hope, can never be found in a desolate place. And this is what the disciples fail to realize. They fail to realize the good news is that wherever we go, Jesus goes. The mountaintop, the valley, the city, the countryside, the desert, and the streams of life, God is present. The living room, the hospital room, the church, the vacation you just took, the hardships that you have faced, God is present throughout. As Psalm 23 so beautifully states, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. God is not just in the abundant places or the desolate places. God is in all places. And here Jesus is in what the disciples believe is a desolate place. An oxymoron we know. But Jesus is there. The choice for the disciples was between resignation or hopeful trust. Send the multitudes away, the ones we worked so hard to get. It was good while it lasted, or the choice is Jesus and what he can provide. When we're in what seems like a desolate place, that place where we believe we have nowhere else to turn, that's the place where we are most honest about ourselves, who we are, and the needs that each of us have. We are honest about our need for that which we cannot provide, the need that only God can provide in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Romans 5, 6 tells us when we were unable to help ourselves at the moment of need, that seemingly desolate place, Christ died for us although we were living against God. And Ephesians 2.8 affirms it, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. And here, as the disciples turn to Jesus, Jesus makes clear that through him, we not only have light and life, but we are called to share that light and life. And Jesus challenges the disciples to provide from what they already have telling them, you give them something to eat. And what they have, well, only a little, through him, turns out to be more than enough. 
the disciples would wrestle up five loaves and two fish. Jesus looked up to heaven, blessed and broke them. Feels a lot like the sacrament of communion that we're soon to celebrate, as Reverend Hinckley told our children and youth. And Jesus distributed the loaves and the fishes to the thousands. What the disciples already had turned out to be more than enough. They just had to turn to Jesus for his direction and way. People throughout the years have offered different explanations for the feeding of the 5,000 plus. Some say instead of five loaves and two fishes, the people were holding back, and they feasted on food that they had already bought with them but weren't initially willing to share with others. Others say some only ate very little. I'm reminding of the sa- reminded of the saying, family hold back so that others could have more than enough to eat. And some may have simply decided that they were no longer hungry. Even if you're a skeptic and question the authenticity of this miracle and come up with alternative explanations, does it really matter and would it make the miracle any less miraculous? There was a need, and Jesus answered it. And further, wouldn't it be miraculous if people were suddenly willing to sacrifice or to go without so that others could eat? Or maybe believing selfish humanity could be so unselfish, as this miracle illustrates, is just so outlandish that it's far easier to believe that Jesus simply multiplied the loaves and the fishes. Either way, a miracle took place that day. And for the record, I believe a miracle took place that day and Jesus multiplied the loaves and the fishes. And why couldn't he have? Because Jesus is always taking what seems like a little and making more than a lot. He's always taking our shortcomings, our faults, our imperfect offerings, and making them more than enough for ourselves and for others. What does this all mean? It means that when your tank is half full, when you're running low on energy, when you feel exhausted, when your resources don't seem to be enough, whatever those resources happen to be, God can help you through. He can help you keep being put, put one foot in front of the other and persevere, even until this too shall pass. Jesus takes what we can give and he makes it so much more. The people ate and they all had their fill. We have power and authority just as the disciples had. And even though they forgot, we too forget that in Jesus we can do so much more than we could do otherwise. And as humble as our offerings sometimes seem to be, God can take whatever it is that we have and use it to bring more and more glimpses of his coming kingdom into this world. You, me, we can do so much more than we realize. But only through Jesus Christ. Turn to God. Turn to what you have to work with. Turn what you have to work with over to God. You don't have to do anything alone because God is the great amplifier. Give space for God to provide. Turn to Jesus, the pioneer perfecter, the author of our faith, who can do so much more than we could ever imagine. 
In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.